Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Our first reading of the day comes from Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to remain standing for a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of the Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the Lord of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. For his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made for our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. I think it's safe to say that we all approach Scripture with some sort of bias or previous understanding of what is being said. Mary's story is no different than that because oftentimes Mary is portrayed as this submissive recipient of God's great gift. But what we miss if we aren't paying attention to the details, is how during those early months of pregnancy, Mary journeys 70 miles from Nazareth to the Judean hill country with no sign of Joseph at her side, 
let alone a donkey to help her down the dusty road. And when she gets there, she sings a song. And in that song, she is very articulate about what God is doing and how that is contrast with the ways God has worked in Israel up until now. At the heart of her hymn of praise to God is this reversal or transformation, and we hear these unforgettable words. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Now, at first glance of those words, we might ask ourselves, what can she be referring to? After all, the Old Testament has no notion of holy poverty. Wealth and possessions are seen as a blessing, and power is a sign of God's favor. So maybe Mary is talking about herself. And maybe this is what she's saying. I am the hungry one, and God has literally filled me up with the baby who is growing in my womb. And all the powerful ones who thought God was theirs to prescribe and control are out of luck. Or maybe she's talking about Israel, the people of God, and maybe she's saying Israel is the lowly, Israel is the hungry, the other nations are the powerful and the rich, and in the Savior Jesus, God is turning the tables and restoring the fortunes of Zion. Or maybe, just maybe, she's showing us the truth about God, because Mary's song is really the story of God. God is the mighty, the powerful, who in Jesus comes down from His throne and becomes lowly, and fills the hungry with good things, and then is lifted up on the cross, and then in resurrection, and finally as He ascends to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And we see why it is tempting that we want to keep Mary as a sweet, docile teenager, and restrict her song to the personal, historical, or even theological sphere. And yet, those words nag at us. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And in the nagging of the praise, we ask ourselves, could she be talking about us? Now, there's a conventional way to present this passage throughout the history of interpretation. A whole bunch of people will think that it's wonderful, will think that these words are prophetic, and that might be the case, but it works under the presupposition that Mary isn't really talking about us. Mary's talking about them over there, that lot who've got more money, who've got more power than we have or ever have. After all, we've got student loans, a house loans, a hundred loans, kids at college or in private school worrying about overdraft, an insecure job, not really having that disposable income to get the rattle under your car fixed, so she can't be talking about me. But then there's another group who will say, well, that's just the naiveness of a young girl speaking because it's intrusive and inappropriate, and you can't take the poetic words of Mary from a first-century teenager 
and translate them artlessly into a financial, economic, or social, or political program today. After all, we come to church for heavenly eternities and not earthly practicalities. Well, I'm not going to follow either one of those conventional modes of interpretation today because I don't think Mary is conventional. And her song of praise is really saying that God's divinity has transformed my humanity. Personally, economically, socially, politically, God is transforming my life in the way that pregnancy transforms my body, making it full of promise and expectation and fertility and joy. And what Mary is saying to each one of us today is to ask us the question, are you allowing God's divinity to transform your humanity? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to sing a song of joy and hope through you? And those are very, very big questions as we sit at Christmas Eve Eve. But I think there's four ways that we can approach those questions, and they happen through conversation. A conversation that I'm going to challenge you to have over the next few days And if you're feeling short of courage or a little uncertain about who or how you will have the conversation with, maybe start with someone whom you feel very comfortable or someone you're looking forward to spending Christmas with. But if you're feeling more courageous, try having this conversation with someone from a different place in society than yourself, someone you'd usually worry about offending or ignoring. So there's four parts of this conversation. First, tell me about the ways in which you are rich. Second, tell me about the ways in which you are poor. Third, let me tell you about the ways in which I am poor. And fourth, let me tell you about the ways in which I am rich. That's it. Four parts of a conversation I want to encourage you to have with someone over the next few days. Of course, how you have the conversation depends on who you're having it with and where you're having it with. If the person is in desperate need, you're probably going to be starting with discovering the ways in which they are poor. But if the person is anything other than in significant pain or distress or hardship, it's most likely you're going to want to begin by discovering the ways in which they are rich. And again, what you say about yourself is likely to depend on what the other person has said about themselves. You're going to want to make human connections, and so if what they've said about being poor resonates with you, you might want to share how it resonates and recognize that similarity. But if there's a difference, you may want to approach it a little bit more differently. Maybe the conversation goes something like this. You'd say, Tell me about the ways in which you are rich. Your friend might say, I appreciate the way you see me for what I am and not just what I am not. My childhood was difficult, but I feel rich in the number and variety of people my parents brought into my life. My education wasn't very successful on paper, but I feel rich in the way I learned to read people and to look into their hearts. 
I've never lived in a luxurious home, but I feel rich in the wonder of the birds and their song and the dawn and its beauty and the rain that nourishes the earth. I've never had many great talents, but I did learn to play the harmonica, and I'd like to play a song for you. I've never had much money, but the wealth of friends somehow shows up time and time again when I try to help people out and when they try to help me out. And then maybe you'll carry the conversation and say, tell me about the ways in which you are poor. And your friend might say, you're probably expecting me to talk about how I can't pay the rent and how I can't find a job. But the real way I feel poor is when I see someone who's far worse off than me and I feel powerless to help them. I feel poor when I see someone new to this country coming into this land and trying to make their way, and I can't speak enough of their own language to be helpful to them. The real times I feel poor are when I think of my child who I lost when I was only 19 and they were only two, and that's left a poverty of sadness in my heart. And after a moment, maybe you'll say, may I tell you about the ways in which I am poor? And your friend might say, please do, I'd never thought of you or someone like you as poor. And you'll say, my brother, that he was the talented one. My parents really just wanted boys, and I feel like I had to apologize for being a girl my whole life. And I've struggled with envy and jealousy. I've even hated my brother, but I've never told him, because everyone thinks we're the best of friends. But I've just never been able to trust the love and achievements and possessions I've been given because they seem to be snatched away time and time again. In some ways, I have a lot, but I've never been able to enjoy it. And I wonder if I've ever trusted anyone enough to show them who I really am. But I'm also rich. And let me tell you about how I'm rich. Because I've always had the ability to concentrate. I can listen or read or be silent and pray for hours, and I can paint a watercolor, a wall, a face. I can paint anything and make it laugh and dance and spring to life. I find it hard to talk and trust people, but I share my heart through painting. And when the two of you have shared your wealth and your poverty with one another in this way, you may want to leave it there, or you may choose to take it even further. Your friend may say to you, you've told me about how you're rich. Let me tell you about how you're rich. You're rich because you don't have to spend every waking moment of your day earning money, so you've got time to do beautiful things and walk with people who are in trouble. And let me tell you how you are poor. You're poor because you never found a way to love your brother. You're poor because you never let anyone into your inner circle. You're poor because you don't have enough people like me around you to tell you the truth about yourself. And then, ever so tentatively, you may find the courage to say to your friend, you've told me about how you are rich. Let me tell you about how you are rich. You're rich because your laugh is infectious and exciting. You're rich because every child you ever meet loves you. You're rich because you've already been through the worst that life can bring you, so you live without fear. But you're also poor. You're poor because you've got a servant heart, but no one wants what you have to give right now. 
You're poor because you're deeply hungry to do something really useful to others, but you can't find a way to do it. And that's the point where it's time for Mary to ask the question. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to sing a song of joy and hope through your life? Through your poverty and through your riches? Can we see it in one another? Can you see it in yourself? Are you letting God turn your life into Mary's song? Poverty is a mask we put on a person to cover true wealth. And wealth is a disguise we put on a person to hide their profound poverty. Poverty is a mask we put on a person to cover up their real wealth, and wealth is a disguise we put on a person to hide their profound poverty. Those we call the rich are those in whom we choose to see the wealth, but are more reluctant to see the deep poverty. Those we call the poor are those in whom we choose to see the hunger, but are slower to see the profound riches. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. It turns out Mary really is talking about us. God takes that in each of us that is rich and sees it through our poverty. And God takes our poverty and sees past it to our deeper riches. And every day, we come before God and we enact these words before Him. We think of our neighbor in person, society, and the globe, and we think about other people's wealth, and we call that praise, and we think about our neighbor in poverty, and we call that intercession. And we think of ourselves in our poverty, and we call that confession. We think of ourselves in our riches, and we call that thanksgiving. And we find that we are praying when we sing Mary's song. Praise, intercession, confession, and thanksgiving. The riches of the world, the poverty of the world, the hopes and the fears of the world, the poverty of ourselves, and the riches of ourselves. These are the way that we enter into conversation with God. Have that conversation with someone this week. Make it a transforming moment of your Christmas. Make it a time you remember that in Christ, God the Mighty left His wealth and took on our poverty. That we might become wealthy in ways that we do not understand. Have that conversation as you redefine your own wealth but have that conversation with God every single day. Because that's what prayer is. Prayer is when we see God's wealth and see God's poverty and bring to God our poverty and our wealth and our neighbors alongside ours. It's the daily conversation. It's the invitation that we are invited to at this time of year in which our friendships, in which our lives in which our whole world is being transformed. And when you pray, finish like this. Lord, 
make me Mary's song. Through your Holy Spirit, sing a song of joy and hope through me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as you go out into the world, go with this blessing. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our arms. And may the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.